I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Today we have another recovery story. Grace, welcome Grace. Thank you. It's great to have you on the call. That's great to be here. It's kind of nerve-wracking, but I'm excited to be here. Oh, for sure. I mean, sharing your story is such a powerful thing, but absolutely nerve-wracking. I felt the same way, episode one. Gosh, it seems like forever ago, but not that long ago. Yeah. (laughs) Well, your story is so inspiring, Grace, and I know that you're going to be able to inspire so many people out there just looking for hope and support on their recovery journey. So if you could start by telling us a little bit about how you were diagnosed, that would be awesome. Yeah, um, so that actually wasn't that long ago. That was back in um, November of 2020. Um, Like, I'd always known that I had like I'd had troubles kind of controlling my emotions, but didn't really know why kind of felt like everybody else was kind of the crazy one. And, um, I've had issues, you know, um, with tantrums and stuff with my family growing up, but uh, it wasn't until I got involved with, um, my partner, uh, that I even knew what borderline personality disorder was. Um, he had, uh, we were obviously having like issues and I was, um, splitting on him and I was throwing tantrums and I was having a really tough time, uh, with him. And he mentioned that, um, a girl that he was seeing prior to me had borderline personality disorder. And I kind of just brushed it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of like, I continued to have these problems and, and to feel like, Um, I just was out of control. Um, And so when things kind of started to get really bad, I just, um, I started researching online going like, maybe I am um, depressed, maybe um, I have some sort of mental disorder. And then it popped up to take a quiz, (laughs) (laughs) this this silly quiz um, about like, all these different disorders or mental health issues that you could potentially have. And so I did it and it came up with borderline personality disorder. And that's kind of my first like, Oh, okay, this is a thing. And this is, you know, something potentially wrong with me. And so I started looking it up and researching it and every single thing I read about it was just like, this is me. This is so me. Yeah. Like, I can't believe how um, how much I relate to all of these things and all of these symptoms. Um, and so I called my doctor, I think, within like the next day or two. And, you know, even she was like, you know that this is like a really serious thing you're asking about, right? Like people don't want to get diagnosed with this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, she said that. She did. And that was kind of like where I first clued into like, oh crap, you know, this might not be like a positive experience. I thought, you know, all along I'm thinking, oh, if I figured this out, I could get, you know, healed. 
Mm-hmm. And I was thinking so positive about it. And then she said that. And I'm just like, oh, crap. Okay, this is not good. Um, but she put through the referral to a psychiatrist. And um, just through, like, a series of, like, really good luck, I guess, mm-hmm. the psychiatrist literally, like, I was in for um, an appointment within, like, like a couple of days because they had a cancellation. Wow. Yeah. And the receptionist didn't want to file through the backlog of people needing appointments and my facts had just come through. She's like, you're it, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> so within a couple of days of even like thinking I had BPD to like being diagnosed with like probably three or four days, it was crazy. Wow, yeah, that is um, a lot because you are in you're in Canada, so it usually doesn't work that way, right? No, you there's like a wait list, and you know there's a backlog of um, referrals and everything from doctors. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the list was just like, you know, I just had a cancellation. It's the end of the day. Your fax just came through to the doctor. I don't want to do any more work, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm you in, and I'm like, okay, done. Um, yeah, and it was a long two hours of questioning and by three, three different, they, he had two students with him. Mm-hmm. So it was very intense, but it was, um, yeah, and they were like, yeah, without a doubt, you have BPD, you have anxiety, you have, you know, but they diagnosed me with three different anxiety disorders and but that's kind of neither here nor there right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's um, kind of irrelevant, right? So was it a validating appointment or did he take a similar approach than um as the the original physician did? Um he uh like I mean he was pretty serious and like kind of grim <laughs> almost <laughs> and and so, like, the whole thing, like, just kind of, like, my anxiety was through the roof after it. And he, of course, you know, wanted to put me on medications. And, you know, I didn't really know anything. Again, like I said, like, I had just learned about BPD. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know how to approach it or what to do about it. Right. So I was just, okay, he's the expert. I'll just go with whatever he says. Um, went on the medications, but my doctor also had me on um, medication before I went and saw the psychiatrist. So now I was on like three different medications. Um, And so that was, yeah, that was it. That's how I got diagnosed. But it didn't um, like I, I thought I would be happy about it. I thought like this was my way to healing initially. Mm hmm. It was kind of like, oh, no, um, I guess this is like after reading about BPD and seeing the prognosis and stuff was like, oh, this is it. My life is ruined. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't a lot of positive stuff out there. Um, So that was really difficult. And I took a really bad spin downward (laughs) after the diagnosis. Yeah. Yes, can you talk just briefly about that spin? Because interestingly enough, I think a lot of people go through that where they get the diagnosis and it's like, well, am I worse now? Because I feel like I can't climb out of, you know, this hole. Yeah, um, I 
like I guess I like I had immediately thought you know I'm gonna join Facebook groups to get support and to kind of figure it out um and so I joined about I think I joined just two different borderline personality disorder groups on Facebook and that was like to me that's kind of what almost triggered the spiral because on there it was just post after post after post about people um, being miserable and having so much difficulties and you know self-harm and just relationship problems like there was no hope in there at all it was all like negative and it was all bleak and I I guess I kind of you know that helped feed this whole fear of like my life is ruined I'm destined to be miserable so I'm just going to fall into this and so like I did the things Mm -hmm. that everybody else those groups were doing like I went into like self-harm mode um I had all these like suicidal thoughts. My interactions with my partner went downhill. Like I just was flying off the handle and having tantrums and, and trying to get attention. And, um, it was really awful, but, um, it kind of, you know, after a few weeks of this, of like, just, it was really awful. He was like, I can't handle this. Like, you can't, you know, like it affects me when I see you do these things, like especially the self-harm stuff. He's like, I, I can't, like, that's so hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. And he is um, a recovering alcoholic. And he is like, you know, at the time he was struggling, he he wasn't like quitting. And so I knew I was adding to, you know, his issues as well. And it wasn't a good situation to be in, like his alcoholism, my BPD, and it was just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, But when I realized that, like, I was truly affecting, you know, his ability to get better, um, that's when it clued in, like, you know, like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I needed hope. And that's when I, I think I put a post up on one of the BPD groups on Facebook just saying like is it anybody else here um are you getting weighed down by all the negativity like is there is there any like positive stories out there Mm -hmm. and somebody responded saying maybe you should check out this other Facebook group from borderline to beautiful and that's when like I found you so and that's when I was like I have like I, I scrolled through after I got approved in the group and I scrolled through the post and I'm like, oh my God, like there's people here who have like positivity out of this. There's, there's hope here. Like people are recovering from this. And that was like my first instance of like, okay, like this is not, this doesn't have to be my life. Yeah, absolutely. That's really powerful. I think that the person who shared that with you, her name's Monica. So I just want to give a real shout out to Monica. She found my group and you know, she has struggled with borderline personality disorder, but overcame a lot of it. And she's an older woman who's going through like our program to be a clinician. And she's just found my podcast and started sharing it with everyone. So we'll give a shout out to her. I will say, though, it's a common oh, thing. All- 
Yeah, it is awesome for sure. Yeah. It's a common thing for people with BPD to ha- get the diagnosis and then kind of go into that as the, the their identity. So if the, you know, you're out there and you're listening and you this is resonating, what Grace is saying is resonating with you, you know, definitely understand that that's a normal part of the process. It's like when you go, maybe this isn't the greatest analogy, but that's okay. It's like when you go to, you know, get you you hurt your arm or something like that and you verify that it's a broken bone right so then you're like oh my arm's broken you know like that's like what i would do in my hyperbolic temperament I'd be like oh gosh you know play yeah. it up for a little bit so it's you know kind of reminds me of that you, you know and also like that's part of not having an identity i remember reading that book buddha and the borderline you probably didn't have, even have an opportunity to read that did you no, I've heard of it. I've thought about it, but I haven't read it, no. Yeah, it was one of those books. I was like, oh, let me take notes and, like, do all these dysfunctional things. I think that the <laughs> Facebook groups and things like that perpetuate the stigma. So, I mean, it's just awesome, you know, for you to have told that version, too, because that's really why I like to do these recovery stories, because I think, you know, people with BPD shoot themselves in the foot a lot with the stigma because they're perpetuating the stigma themselves without even realizing it, right? Like we want this validation, but the way that we go about it is just not, you know, I think it pushes the majority of the rest of the population away, right? It does. Yeah. And I was definitely very guilty of that. I mean, I was pushing away um, my partner, and I knew it and I was pushing away my family and, and everybody. I was not in a good place. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you find the Facebook group and the podcast and then we started kind of working together. So let's maybe can shift gears and talk about what that was like for you and what were some things that you learned working, you know, with me and working in the recovery path. Um. Yeah. So yeah like we had started with the like one-on-one um sessions and I'm sorry my memory is not the greatest (laughs) I could go into like executive training skills because I'm still lacking in a lot of those and memory is definitely one of them but um when we like started working together I I guess for me it was I really liked that you were just very honest um, and you didn't beat around the bush about things. And that, that is one thing about myself that I have always appreciated with people. Like, I, I didn't want people to walk on eggshells around me, but it was, you know, like the people in my life didn't know how to not do that, mm-hmm. you know, because they didn't know how to deal with the outcome of it. <laughs> so I guess, like, you know, in your experience, you probably dealt with a number of people who who've flown off the handle at you and had a tantrum. Um, and so, like, I just found that very um, helpful to just hear, like, being a tyrant, you're, you're treating the people in your life poorly. Um, and so I think just having that, you know, somebody just tell you straight to your face, like, you're, you know, you need to change this and, like, there's no easy way uh around it um and I think you know learning that I was I was being tyrannical uh was a huge eye-opener for me because I kind of felt like that you know it was the other people in my life like if they could only change or give me what I wanted 
that um, I would be fixed. Like I wouldn't have the tantrums. Right. And I, I came to realize that, you know, like they could never give me enough. Uh, it, it didn't matter. I think I wrote a post on Facebook responding to somebody, you know, saying like, you know, short of them like bowing at my feet and telling me how wrong they were and how right I was and how wonderful I was. I don't think anything that anybody could have done would have, you know, satisfied me. Um, right. And it would have had to like play on loop too, right? That like they would have to keep saying it over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And like the valid, you know, the need for validation from other people, like was never going to stop. Um, And that's like a really hard lesson to learn for me was that um, like I needed to stop seeking validation from other people Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, like when you stop doing that, you start realizing like, I don't actually like myself. And, like, you know that the validation needs to come from you, but, you know, when you don't like who you become, it's hard to get validation. So you kind of are left sitting with feelings of, like, well, I suck and Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know what to do with this, but I know I can't, you know, get this from other people any longer um, because that's serving me. And so that was really um, difficult, you know, was just sitting with, having to sit with feelings finally. Yeah. I like uh, how you said that. You said, uh, when you don't like who you've become, right. That's exactly what it is. You realize like, Oh gosh, I don't really like this person that's looking at me in the mirror. So, but I also know that no one can rescue me from having an identity that I'm proud of. So what do I do with this? So that's, that's a heavy emotional burden in the beginning to bear. It is. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of, um, is very emotional, like in the beginning, um, you know, especially because, um, when I started working with you is when a lot of like my problems in my relationship were, were happening and, and my partner went into rehab for alcoholism and everything. And then I kind of found myself being like, I can't rely on him any longer. I can't put that on him. Um, I had to find my way out um, on my own. Um, And so it was just a lot of like being, (laughs) being alone. And it sounds depressing, but it's really not when I look back at it. It's um, being alone is what has really um, helped me. Um, And I kind of came into like working with you and doing the group therapy and stuff I think really like the universe just came together to like give me what I needed Mm -hmm. uh, at the right time in my life. Um, I don't think that I would be where I am if things kind of hadn't aligned the way that they had Um, because I was in like therapy with you and with the group um, kind of in the midst of, you know, relationship drama and, that's really what helped me through it and helped me figure out how to approach these things. Yeah, absolutely. So when Grace, when you're saying therapy, just, you know, like we're talking about our mindset coaching group, right. And like 
just mindset yeah. coaching. Yeah, it's there's a you know subtle difference. I just want to make sure people are you know aware that it's coaching. So we're just kind of setting goals and moving forward. But yeah, you're right. Like it all did really align because you have this experience where you find out you have BPD, you randomly get this appointment with a psychiatrist who starts you on meds, which isn't a bad thing, right? Because you have you have to yeah. start somewhere. And then, you know, again, randomly with Monica having to like share that group post with you and this other random Facebook group to come to me. And then I just so happened to start the group up at that time where you were working with me. So, yeah, sometimes things, everything happens for a reason, as they say, right? No coincidences. Yeah, but it's true. Like, I do believe that you kind of have to, um, you know, seek out answers I mean if you just sit back and wait for things to just come to you I mean it's not going to happen I you know because I I definitely recognize that you know I I took the steps um to actually do (laughs) to actually do the things and and find the information um you know like the universe like I I don't know my people that feels like the universe kind of does like have a plan for you or you know like things happen for a reason so but you you have to kind of recognize that and and take that on Mm -hmm. and and put it to work absolutely so I know another thing that we wanted to touch on is just kind of talking about how your relationship relationships excuse me shifted Um, when you started working with me and then throughout the time we were kind of working together and even in like the group dynamics. So did you want to share about how you felt towards family, towards your partner? Yeah. So my family, I think that's where we started out with was um, like, I had a lot of animosity towards my family. I had a lot of anger there because again, they like, they couldn't, um, you know, I thought they were just weren't giving me what I needed and they were my family and they should give me what I need. They should be who I need them to be. And I think like one of the biggest exercises that, uh, you gave me was, um, where we took like, you know, for instance, like my mom and looked at, um, what my expectations of her were Mm -hmm. and then like a separate um, section on like what she was actually capable of giving me. And then after that, it was how kind of am I like her? And that really like helped me so much in letting go of my anger because I realized like, you know, it was all my expectations of what, uh, you know, I wanted out of people. I wasn't looking at, you know, their life experiences and what they were capable of. Um, it was all about me, you know, like I need to get what I want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that whole shift towards, um, oh, okay. Like (laughs) they're, they're separate people and they have these different experiences in life and, they, you know, there aren't, you know, they don't know my expectations of them. And, you know, they're only capable of giving me what they're capable of giving me. And it was either like, accept that or continue to beat my head against a wall, <laughs> essentially. Um, and I don't know, like, just that exercise was like, uh, okay, I can, I just, I released that. Yeah. I'll like do 
exercise. And it was like, um, just amazing how, yeah, just knowing that, you know, people are only capable of giving you what they're capable of giving you. And no amount of expectation on my end was going to make me get what I wanted out of that. So, yeah, I was just accepting that in that exercise. And I was able to let go of a lot of um, anger um, with my family. So that's been really nice. And I now, like, I'm happy to say I, I have a, a pretty good relationship with my family now. I mean, we're not like super, super close, but I think that's something that like I'm now willing to work on and I want to kind of move towards a closer relationship with my family. That's absolutely. It's so amazing, you know, to say like, oh, I realize that people are only, you know, capable of giving me what they're capable of giving me. I mean, it sounds so simple, but I remember when I had that realization, it's so such a huge deal. It's I think it's part of that having cognitive empathy for other people or, you know, being able to have, you know, mentalize other people, right? Yeah, and that mentalizing, um, I have to touch on that because that is something I use on a daily basis that I learned in the in the group with you Mm -hmm. um that like I use constantly now because it's not like I've just you know learned all these skills and now I'm just you know like I'm a-okay and and I can just do these things um automatically like it's not quite automatic yet Mm -hmm. Um, but I do like I'm in a space now where I'm calm and I don't um like I have that space between like a feeling and a reaction where I can mentalize. And so I don't react anymore. I just, you know, like I have the feeling I recognize it and I go, okay, like, you know, maybe this feeling is right. Maybe it's wrong, but let's give it a few minutes here. Let's give it some time, mentalize, and then kind of come back to it. Um, so that that's been really huge is just being able to look at other people's um, potential like perspectives or, or why might somebody else be saying or doing or acting in a certain way um, has really saved me a, a lot of grief in the long run <laughs> these days. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it is, um, you're right to say that it's not something that's going to be just kind of automatic. It requires a lot of hard work and uh, it requires, you know, ongoing, st- almost like learning or studying, right? Something like mentalizing, which is just a, you know, a way of saying putting yourself in someone else's shoes and not just going with this, like, um, emotionally intense perspective of what you think that other person should be giving you. Yeah, it's something, it takes a lot of, um, I guess, tenacity, right? To keep pursuing that practice because it is hard to do. It doesn't come naturally. And I would say there are some situations, honestly, where it doesn't come naturally to me now either, where I really do have to think about, okay, what is this other person thinking about because of that underdeveloped theory of mind part of BPD? Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a quote... um, that says like choose your hard and like I always think about that you know in the sense of um it's hard 
um, having the tantrum. Like that winds up being a very difficult situation. That's, you know, it's intense. It's hard on you mentally, physically. It's hard on other people. That's hard. Or I could choose the other hard, which is, okay, stop, you know, mentalize, you know, regulate, do whatever I have to do, which is hard. But the the long-term benefits to that are like far and above greater than just giving in to the tantrum or to the initial feelings that you might have. And so for me, it is a matter of like, I'm just choosing a different kind of hard one that, you know, I know will be a benefit to me in the future, you know, and oftentimes it's, it's immediate. It's not, it's not even a long-term future. It's like, you know, like I know I can wake up tomorrow morning and go like, okay, I didn't let that dissolve into a tantrum and now I can go on and just live my life and, and not have to deal with the repercussions of, you know, having split or having had a tantrum. Um, so really it's, you know, it's less hard to choose the initial hard thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You're right. I don't know if that's, yeah. No, so that's it's... 100%. I feel the same way. Choose your heart. Because I say like that, you know, if you look at an infinite amount of time, you know, I always like look at someone's age, right? So if you're uh, like 30, for example, you have what, 40 or 50 years left on the earth, like right, barring any accidents or anything like that. So think like, do you really want 50 years of splitting and tantrums? Or do you want you know, six months, a year of starting taking steps towards this, like learning to regulate, mentalize and get a handle over that hyperbolic perspective. And then just practice that for the next 50 years versus the tumultuous roller coaster that we're on, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I remind myself of that constantly whenever I have that like feeling of like tension that builds up in me. And it's like, you know, you have a choice right now. <laughs> you can, you can just spiral downwards or you can do the hard thing right now and um, we can carry on. And thus far, like since um, it's been several months now where I haven't had any tantrums, I haven't split I haven't done any of that it's not to say that I think that like I'm 100% never going to have any of those moments again because you know I've had a few um ups and downs but um I kind of I know what to do and I know how to bring myself back from it and that's also been a good learning curve for me yeah interesting because you know, a lot of people out there can relate to this. I know I talk about it. It's like control, right, is the thing that really drives a lot of the dysfunction, controlling whether people are going to leave us, controlling the environment to get what we want. And then when you say that, you're like, well, you know, I know that I'm not like completely just A-OK. You know, I know that I have work to do. However, I also know that I can control what happens when I get in that state of emotional, you know, distress or dysregulation. So knowing that, does that provide you with a sense of control? Um, it does. Um, yeah, like I know that, you know, I have the tools at my disposal now to figure things out. Um, and I mean, it's it's really served me well like with my relationship with my partner because 
um, like, as you know, uh, you know, we kind of um, have taken a break. Um, he needed to focus on his recovery with alcoholism, and he's been super successful with that. I'm super proud of him. Um, but, like, when he told me, like, I need to be alone, and that meant, like, we need to live apart from each other, I mean, you can imagine that someone with BPD, that's like, this is the worst thing in the world that could possibly happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that the person I love the most in this world that was the most validating to me is abandoning me. I mean, that's initially kind of how my BPD brain um, would go. But it's like, I knew, you know, because I had been doing work with you and I had been doing work in the group. Like we were, I was in the group and this all was happening. Mm-hmm. And um, like I knew because of the work that I can't control him. And, you know, like I knew deep down, I'm like, he needs to, he does need to focus on himself and his recovery. And I didn't want to stand in the way of that. Um, And it was super hard. There was a lot of tears, but um, I also knew that like, I couldn't put that on him um, and I couldn't control him. And that wasn't love Um, If I really loved him, I, you know, I needed him to be able to heal himself. Mm -hmm. And that meant I had to go through some pain to allow that to happen. And so we have moved apart. And that was one of the hardest things I had to deal with. But but I I have learned that um, I can deal with it and that there are um, brighter days after that. Like, that's not the end of the world. Um, and because of my willingness to just let that situation play out and to move apart and to, you know, it, it might be that he never comes back to me. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, um, I do know that I will be okay and that I can handle the hard things now. Absolutely. And I'm really happy to say that I think it's because of that, that like we are now boyfriend, girlfriend, which seems weird to say because we were engaged at mm-hmm. one point. Yep. Um, but we're living apart. Um, we communicate all the time. We're like, we're dating each other. We're boyfriend, girlfriend. And the way that we're kind of looking at it as, um, this is kind of how it should have played out from the beginning. Um, we got very intense very quickly, as I'm sure a lot of, you know, BPD people do. Mm-hmm. Like he was incredibly validating to me in the beginning. And so it was just like, just, you know, glommed onto that. And that was my world. Yeah. Um, and so there was no, we're like, we moved in within like a, a month or two of knowing each other. Wow. And so now it's like we've taken a step back and we're like, okay, now we're both in a space where we've got our space to ourselves. We're both healing and we're both just taking it very slow. We're just, you know, 
dating. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> That's so amazing to hear, especially knowing the whole, you know, your whole story. I mean, when I first met you, you were going for dress fittings. So to yeah. go from that place to where you are now, and it hasn't been that long. You know, I'm not exactly sure no. of when you, how long it's been since I've known you, but I don't think it's been yet a year. I thought it was like in the winter, right? Uh, yeah, we started working together in, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like right in the winter time, mm-hmm. like December, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And your life has <laughs> transformed since then. But before we get into that, you know, the transformation, let's talk about how you had multiple rock bottoms. <laughs> you were like, oh, this is my rock bottom. And then you were like, oh, well, I'm cured. And then this is my rock bottom. So what was that process like for you, that kind of like fighting back against the recovery? Um, yeah, like I'm not really sure like why it was occurring, but <laughs> I I had I mean, like a lot of the times when, you know, like when you're in like a full blown like tantrum and like the world is ending and nobody loves you and it's just like the most awful thing in the world and like it truly feels like that is rock bottom for you until like the next time it happens and you're like no this is rock this is rock (laughs) bottom and then I think like in doing like some of the work with you and learning about you know recovery and whatnot like I start to have these moments of or even days where I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I feel good. I feel like I'm in control. Um, I've got it down. Um, and then it was like, I don't need help anymore. Mm-hmm. It, which is like indicative of my whole life where <laughs> it's like I kind of like do things part way and I'd start to feel good and then be like, okay, I'm cured. I'm good. I'm done. Um, but obviously that wasn't working for me because <laughs> it kept coming back. It kept coming back. And um, so, I mean, that definitely happened when I was working with you and when I was working with the group that, uh, you know, I was feeling good about things. And then I was almost, I don't know, I was starting to feel almost like resentful, like, okay, this is taking up too much of my time. I don't need this anymore. I figured it out. You know, like I'm calm. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, like, I can't even remember what it was that happened, but like, I was literally ready to quit. I had conversations with my partner about it going like, I, I, you know, why am I, why am I continuing to do this? I, you know, like I had spent the money on the group and I was willing to just throw it away and, and just quit. And, um, I remember, I don't remember what the situation was, but I do remember, you know, totally, spiraling downwards like almost directly after I thought I was going to quit because I had it all together mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and like like I'm just I was just shaking my head at myself going what is wrong with you like you know you clearly need the help um but I was almost like angry at the group I was angry at the group I was angry at you for like almost like pushing me mm-hmm. to continue the work it was like I don't need to do this (laughs) and uh, when clearly I did but like I'm so glad that I uh, stuck it out because if I hadn't 
I would just be repeating the same patterns over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because that has been um, my life is just repeating these same patterns over and over again. And I still have that same issue in other areas of my life, but like I'm at least aware that they exist and I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. But you know that it, it does take like pushing through those like, you know, even the good days doesn't mean that you're healed. It just means that like, you know, you've had a, had a good day. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's that hyperbolic. And that's why I wanted to, I wanted you to share that for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's that hyperbole. It's that like, right. Oh, I'm, this is a good day. So I'm great. I'm done. This is it. Right. Yeah. And that's that hyperbolic version of just having, it's just a good day. And then also because everyone's defiance comes out in different ways and that was just one of the way that was one of the ways that your defiance came out. And I think, you know, I just wanted you to share that with everyone because everyone it's BPD is a patterned kind of brain. Right. So even though no two yeah. people with BPD look exactly alike in the way that the, their brain perceives the world, there are individual differences, but there's still defiance and there's still the, you know, hyperbole and the like the over the top intensity. So that was yours. And you did push past that. And I'm sure that you'll have moments like that where you think that you don't need help in the future and then you'll ask for help, you know, for you know, within your support system or your team or your family, what have you. It's just part of the reason why you were able to do all of this work, though, because people with BPD are really intense. So if you, you're tenacious and passionate and intense and you funnel that intensity into your recovery, then you're going to be able to push through any obstacle, even an obstacle like defiance right yeah for sure um and it's funny because that's like that's um that lesson that I learned with you in kind of pushing past that is um helping me like in other areas um you know like with uh fitness stuff like I've taken on this um triathlon coach and just recently I was like I'm gonna give up running I don't want to run anymore (laughs) um and you know, like I literally told my coach, I'm like, I hate running. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, I don't think this is serving me at all. And then like, literally like the next day I'm like, Grace, you're just, you're giving yourself an out, you know, you're just, (laughs) you had one where you didn't want to go do the run that he told you to do. So now it's like, I'm going to (laughs) quit. And so like, I've had to realize that, you know, I'm just being defiant with it. Yeah. that I'm just, you know, I need to stick with it. Mm-hmm. So that's a great so realization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so, I mean, you've done amazing work. You are very tenacious, you know, and it's shows in the life that you live. And what also another thing that I think is really inspiring about your story is that you took your temperament, you know, it's so when I speak of temperament, I'm talking about the parts of us that we can't change. So we're always going to be intense, oversensitive people. It just doesn't have to be dysfunctional. So you took your temperament, which, you know, is hyperbolic and intense, and you made your lifestyle fit your temperament versus having your temperament and everyone around you, like, I guess everyone around you trying to fit into your temperament or trying to live like a regular, normal nine to five job life and like do relationships, you know, the way everyone else would. And that's, it's incredibly inspiring. So can you 
just share a little bit about, you know, your business that you have and just the changes in your life from six months ago to today? Yeah, so I had um, back in September, um, like a couple months before I got diagnosed, actually, I had um, quit my full time regular nine to five job to um, start my own graphic design business, um, working for myself. And so um, that has been kind of what I have poured a lot of my energy into. because I know we were kind of looking at, you know, in the work with you, I was kind of looking at what I needed to kind of sink my energy into to kind of keep my hyperbolic brain, you know, uh, from getting me into trouble. Mm-hmm. So, I, so the you suggested that, like, I pour my energy into my business. Um, and so it's because of that, that, like, I have been able to have, you know, huge successes um, with my business and it just, it keeps growing. And I, I do find that like on days or times when I'm feeling like really, um, like irritated or tense or something, I'll be like, okay, open up your computer and and do some work, um, work on your business. And that has been a real lifesaver for me in so many ways, because, um, I have, you know, like in the, relationship with my partner having split and having to move out on my own um I only quit my full-time regular job because I had his um income as a backup Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what allowed me to make that jump I was I would have been too terrified otherwise and so now like I've gotten myself to a point where I've invested my energy into my business to help it grow enough or I feel comfortable supporting myself. And I was able to move out into like a beautiful apartment um, that I absolutely just love. And I can support myself um, with my own business. And that also allows me to have, you know, like all the flexibility in the world. Cause I know people with BPD have sometimes a hard time with the nine to five jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know maybe you can touch on why that is, but I don't necessarily know why it just, I know working for myself has been, you know, huge. Um, you know, like I can take the breaks when I need, I can focus on other things like the fitness end. you know, like I'm big into the fitness end, which is also good for my, um, hyperbolic nature. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have this, Yeah all my energy has been poured into my business and my fitness and my health. And it's um, helped me in so many ways. It's incredible to, you know, I think the reason that people with BPD don't do as well in the nine to five, and that's not, that's kind of a generalized thing. I know that there are people that I work with that are pretty successful in that. It's just, I think it depends on the level of intensity, you know, that people with BPD have. I know I was, pretty intense you know and I can be like I and what I mean by that is I need a lot of things happening so for me working nine to five was almost like you know kind of boring and then also I didn't have the executive functioning skills that I have now so things like discipline time management you know I don't know general things like rule following (laughs) things like that that you know like somebody who's defiant doesn't do it's hard so if you take your lifestyle and and you're willing to take the passion and drive that you have 
you know, and focus it into being self-employed or just having kind of a non-traditional job that works with you, then you get re- you can regain that control that you're seeking over your life. And you've really done that with working out and, you know, you're taking care of your son and you're dating now, right? And so you have space to do this health, the healthy things that you need for you, plus work on your business, plus look at other kind of like hobbies and things that you want to do to continue to develop that identity. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And um, all this time, like to myself, because now I have way more time to myself uh, than I've ever had before. I don't know, it's allowed me that space to kind of try and figure out who I am. And um, it's funny, like, I used to never be able to sit in silence by myself. And now one of my favorite things to do is I've got like one of those hanging nest chairs out on my balcony, and I've built a garden out there. And so I just like every morning, it's like coffee and just sit there and watch and ponder life. And I'm okay with that. I would never, ever in my wildest dreams have felt like I could have done that before because my brain would have just been thinking, you know, of all the ways that everybody has wronged me. (laughs) But now it's just like, there's a sense of peace there. Where I'm like, I can be by myself. I don't always like to be by myself, but mm-hmm. I can be. It's and I can figure out who I am. So amazing. It's so amazing. You worked really hard. So for the audience, Grace worked really hard to get to where she is. So it's important that you recognize that you all have the ability to recover. It's just redirecting that passionate, intense energy from, you know, trying to get the person you're in relationship with not to leave you to recovery. So that shift is going to be really key. And Grace, it's amazing to hear your story. So just to wrap up, can you offer some um, words of advice what are some words of wisdom or advice you have for people out there in the recovery journey or just the bpd community as a whole yeah um so i think hope is a powerful thing and that is kind of um like i just want to express to to people out there so much that there's so much hope out there that you know there is um recovery is possible and that's where it began for me is like when I found the podcast when I found the group I was like there is recovery in this diagnosis and I don't have to live my life the way I've been living it um and that for me was like the first um the first step the first um the first thing that happened in my life that led me to uh, you know, head into recovery. And, uh, yeah, so I just, I, I just think hope is, is where it's at. (laughs) Yeah. Don't give up hope. That's, that's an awesome mentality. And also from the beginning of your story, do the best you can when you're trying to educate someone about borderline personality disorder to not try to get them to understand your hyperbolic perspective, because it just is, impossible for someone who's not hyperbolic to understand that so like grace you know there are a lot of people out there who are looking for hope grace got diagnosed right and she goes on this facebook group and it's just negativity so you have this experience grace of like not knowing if there is any hope and someone else had to come and be that so as a to the community as a whole 
you know, to friends, family, what have you, understand that there are people in these groups or people looking and reaching out for support. They need to hear that everything's going to be okay. Everybody needs encouragement in those times. So, you know, think about what you're posting and think about, you know, some of the messages that you're putting out there so that you can be that person that guides the other person towards a space where they don't feel so trapped trapped and suffocated by a diagnosis that you know there is a recovery path to there's just no doubt that there is yeah absolutely and I think it's important to kind of pay attention to what kind of information we're receiving as people with BPD as well that we're not you know just reading about all the you know the bad stuff that we you know focus on the recovery and and the good stuff so because that's been key to me is kind of filtering out um, the bad stuff. I left those Facebook groups. I I look on, you know, like how to improve things in my life, not, not necessarily even to do with BPD, but just improve other areas of my life um, just to keep my brain focused on a recovery path and not, oh, you know, this is what's wrong with people with BPD. Um, and, you know, like being uh, borderline personality uh, awareness month, um, I think it was important for me. Like I did post on Facebook about, um, you know, bringing awareness to recovery and hope on it. Whereas before I know I was sharing stuff about like, oh, this is how people with BPD are and how to deal with somebody with BPD. And it's like, no, 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 that's really shifted now to like, there is hope and there is recovery and, you know, here's positives about BPD. Um, And I think that's super important. It absolutely is. I'm just so grateful to you to have come on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Grace. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm sure that your story will be an inspiration to many people out there listening. So thanks again. Thank you, Rose. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.